Hi, Court. And hi, Bee Critics fam. Welcome to another episode of the Bee Critics podcast. We are still in our Harry Potter era, have no fear, and we're continuing the discussion with the third in the franchise. And not only are we in our Harry Potter era, but we're also in our growth era. So you can help us by helping others find the podcast. So share the podcast with a friend, leave us a rating or review on your favorite streaming platform, and don't forget to follow and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. You can also find us on social media. We post some pretty fun things. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Be Critics Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, hit that subscribe button, and follow our Instagram for all the best movie content. All right, Liz, I think that's enough of the boring stuff. It's time to get into the episode. All right, so first we're going to check in on the Bee Critics Hogwarts House Tournament. Yeah, the most so, subjective tournament in the land. Well, it's only fitting. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'll just like run through real quick the standings. Um, and so far, all we're adding into these are um, the points from the actual episodes. So we have not added in any points from comments or anything like that. Okay. So in fourth place is Ravenclaw with 50 points. Tied for second place is Gryffindor and Slytherin with 70 points. And then in first place is Hufflepuff with 85 points. Yay. I'm taking five points from Hufflepuff just for <laughs> sheer subjectivity of the fact that they're ahead. <laughs> Goodbye. That's rude. <laughs> That's rude. Uh, okay. Um, all right. As a reminder, you can earn points for your house by commenting on this episode on YouTube and telling us what house you're in. You can comment on each of our Harry Potter episodes exactly one time. We'll know if you cheat and you will lose points for your house that way. We're not going to tell you how many you're going to lose, but it's going to be substantial, so just don't do it. Nope, don't cheat. We will know. Liz and I are magical. We don't like cheaters. <laughs> we will take points away from your team, from your house, don't, especially if you're a Gryffindor. Don't you even try to post things. <laughs> Courtney I feel will like come for you. I will. We <laughs> Here in House Gryffindor, we follow the, we follow the letter of the law unless – it's necessary to, you know, get past that three-headed dog and save the stone. So, but that's not the movie that we're talking do. about today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the movie that we are discussing today is the third installment of the Harry Potter series, mm-hmm. The Prisoner of Azkaban. Ooh, extra spooky. Yeah, my favorite of the Harry Potter movies, I think. I always forget that. Yeah. Yeah, which is it's controversial. I think this is a lot of people's favorite movie. And I also think it's a lot of people's least favorite of the series. So Mm. we're curious to hear what you have to take have to say, but just know ahead of time that it's one of my favorites. So I'll be speaking very highly of it throughout. Yeah. Don't be mean, okay? This is a safe space. You're allowed to not like it, but don't be mean to us if we do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. In this one, Harry is going crazy living with the Dursleys. So crazy that he blows his aunt up like a balloon and runs away. The night bus rescues him and brings him to the leaky cauldron, where he's reunited with his pals, Ron and Hermione. 
Like every year, they board the Hogwarts Express and start the journey to their beloved school. Except this time, the train is stopped, and Harry has his first run-in with the Dementors. You see, a very dangerous prisoner has escaped from Azkaban, which has never happened before, by the way, and he may be after Harry Potter. Many abnormal things begin happening at Hogwarts. The Dementors, who are guarding the grounds, have taken a distinct interest in Harry. Hermione seems to be appearing and disappearing every time Ron turns around. And there are a few people and furry creatures that are not what they seem. To solve all the injustices and mysteries around the castle, Harry and Hermione must travel back in time without being spotted. Will they be able to save more than one innocent life tonight? Or will Harry and Hermione miss their chance to make things right? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta watch the movie to find out. Oh, come on. If you're here, you know exactly what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's very few people left in the world that haven't seen the Harry Potter movies or at least like know the Mm -hmm. main plots of them all, you know? Yeah, I agree. So this movie came out in 2004 and it's two hours and 21 minute runtime. So a bit shorter than the last two. It had about the same budget, $130 million, and its box office was a bit lower, just shy of $800 million. That's still, and, like, quite a feat. Yeah, yeah, very successful. That's a lot of money. <laughs> I know. So this movie <laughs> is the first in the series to get a new director. No more Chris mm-hmm. Columbus. I feel like the director position, oh, maybe this might be a spoiler for the future, but I feel like the director position is kind of like the um, Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, we get new directors. (laughs) So it was a, it was kind of a big deal that Chris Columbus like didn't want to keep directing. So he stepped down because Mm -hmm. it was like consuming his life because they would film these movies for like nine ten months at a time and um he became like he remained on as a producer giving him like a little bit better Mm -hmm. work-life balance there and so the producers started like reaching out to a bunch of different directors and there were a lot of people considered for this role Mm -hmm. so one that i think is interesting is guillermo del toro yeah and he he envisioned it being like kind of dark and so like he thought the first two were like too bright and happy um and then mark forster he turned down the film also because he had to make finding neverland which that was stupid i've never heard of and then (laughs) yeah um m night Shyamalan was considered but turned it that would have been weird that would have been weird (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it would have been weird. Um, and then it ended up that there was like a three-name shortlist for Columbus's replacement. And one of those people was actually Kenneth Branagh, who played Gilderoy Lockhart in the second movie. <laughs> Stop. Can you imagine? How did he get on that list? <laughs> I don't know. I saw that I was shook. Um, but we ended up with <laughs> Alfonso Caron. Mm-hmm. which was really interesting because he almost didn't take the role because he had never read the books and he didn't like appreciate the Harry Potter series. 
And what's interesting is um, Guillermo del Toro actually berated him saying he was arrogant and told him to go read the books. And so after he read the series, he changed his mind and signed on to direct the films. <laughs> He's like, and, stupid oaf. <laughs> yeah. And personally, I'm really, really glad that he did um, because I think Alfonso Caron brought a really interesting touch to the third installment mm-hmm. of the series. For sure. Definitely feels different. Like, it's yeah, very obviously, like, a continuation, but it definitely feels different. Like, a little yeah. bit more grown up. And it has to, right? Because stuff mm-hmm. is getting more serious, for sure. Um, then we have our last John Williams score of the film. So sad. You know what I else? Know. Okay, while we're talking about lasts, this was the last Harry Potter film to be released on VHS. Really? Isn't that wild? That is wild. 2005. It was, yeah, because it would have been after it came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can still remember going to like the premiere video and like Blockbuster in that time mm-hmm. frame and picking up videos. Weird. It's kind of crazy know. like how that feels like. I mean, I guess that was 20 years ago. But it doesn't feel like it was, like, that (laughs) long ago that we were, like, out here buying VHSs. And now you can't even find a DVD. I know. Everywhere is stopping selling them, which is really – it's, like, making me scared because I'm, like, I I want all my movies on DVD. I know. Um, So my my in-laws, they have an extensive DVD collection – and they've bought these giant things, disc homes. Uh, they, they have like, I don't even know, four, at least four of them. We have two of okay. them at our house. I'll have to do like a tour on TikTok of the DVD yeah. thingies. Like but vintage. I'm just like, man, like, like what if we didn't have all these? There's been some movies that we've watched for Halloween that like aren't on streaming. Like if I oh, didn't yeah. have the DVDs, how am I going to watch them? Example, 28 Days Later. Couldn't find yes. that anywhere. <laughs> Tried to watch it with my dad. Nowhere to be found. Which is you so to... wild because that's a Killian Murphy movie. Yeah, it's a huge You'd movie. You'd think it'd be everywhere. I know. Because he's so hot right now. Well, somebody has the rights to it and they're squashing it, I guess. <laughs> I Anywho, who that is. was a sidetrack. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this movie, we get some cool new cast members and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about them. Um, so we get Gary Oldman, Emma Thompson, David Thewlis, and we get a new Dumbledore in this movie. It's bittersweet. I hate Michael Gambon as Dumbledore. I literally, he is, he is the worst thing that could have happened to the Harry Potter series. I'm sorry, but he hasn't even read the books and I think he's arrogant. Just like. He needs to be called out, like Alfonso Caron. I'm. I don't know. I. People are allowed to disagree with me, but horrible casting. Horrible casting. I don't think he's terrible. I will say someone else that was considered for this role, Ian McKellen, who played mm-hmm. um, Gandalf. I think he would have been fantastic in this role he's got like the sweet old man vibe versus the like stern old man vibe 
that Gambin has. Um, what's interesting about E. McKellen, he turned it down. Yeah. So he was like originally considered for it. And he has two reasons that he turned it down. And this is like a direct quote from him. He okay. said, I had enough trouble living up to one legend. Two would be too much to hope for. Aww. And then he also said that it felt inappropriate to be considered for the role because Harris had called McKellen a dreadful actor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Richard Harris <laughs> cursed these movies. Just like how so. Once Against the Dark Arts has a curse, the position has a curse at Hogwarts. Like Richard Harris was like, no one's going to be as good as me. Will not allow it. Oh. Christopher Lee also turned down the role. Who's Christopher Lee? Like, I don't think I know who he is. He is known as Dracula, um, and he plays Count Dooku in several of the Star Wars movies. He's also in The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. I don't know who he is in Lord of the Rings. Let's look it up. I wonder if he plays um, Gandalf the White. Christopher Lee. Or Sauron? No. What's the bad wizard's name? He plays Saruman. Yeah, Saruman. Yeah. Yeah. That's who he plays. He's like yeah, the evil don't, witch wizard. Don't He's hate like me. Two y'all. old gray men and <laughs> play the wizard. Him and Ian McKellen, and they were both considered <laughs> to be Dumbledore. Turned down. Ian McKellen would have been so good. Anyway. I, I think Michael Gambon was fine. Um, I think Dumbledore kind of takes a back seat in the movies. Yeah, which he should. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because Michael Gambon because they p- replaced him and they were trying not to make it obvious or what, but Mm-mm. it's very sad. No, it's it's really it is sad because one of the coolest things about this series is the relationship between Dumbledore and Harry and how mysterious it is and mm-hmm. like I understand that Dumbledore does have to shift a little bit from the way that Richard Harris was playing him because like things get darker and more serious and Dumbledore's got to like kind of be stronger. I just really have never been able to get like to jive with the way that Gambin portrayed him. Um, And it's not quite as bad in this movie, but this is the start of it. So yeah, so that can be our... um poll question we'll we'll throw it up there do you oh, or do you idea. not like michael gambin as dumbledore we'll that's a really good poll thinks. question i think some people do like him um because they think he's like stronger feeling as dumbledore he feels but... more youthful than richard harris which i don't well, know if that's necessarily a positive but that is yeah. how it feels dumbledore's supposed to be like over 100 years old so i don't think he's supposed to be looking youthful isn't McGonagall also supposed to be like really freaking old? Yeah, they're supposed to be really old. Like wizards live longer <laughs> than he- normal humans live. So, <laughs> oh my god! All right, well, let's get into it. So, this movie is a totally different feel from the first two movies, and we talked a lot about how that has to do with you know the fact that we have a new director here. We we have Alfonso Cuarón. But I think that was really necessary because the story also takes a turn. We have more emotions. We've got 13-year-olds dealing with becoming adolescents. 
and this movie just has like a darker feel and a more dramatic story in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's start by talking about the acting. Which is like leagues better. Like every movie, I feel like they get better and better, which makes sense. They're going from being like literal children to young adults. So like Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But it's like night and day, especially Emma Watson. Like I think she just like is a shining star in this movie specifically. She she really shines. And I think also because this is the movie where like – so in the last one – um. Harry and Ron kind of like ventured together at the end and in this one we get Harry and Hermione really really shining at the end and -hmm. I think it's cool to see Emma Watson in that light she gets to do some really cool stuff in this movie um like punching Tom Felton in the face (laughs) (laughs) okay I was watching like a behind the scenes like interview thing with them and Mm -hmm. so in the book I haven't read the books but in the book uh, this is what they were saying in the book she slaps Malfoy Hermione slaps him she doesn't punch him and so when they were like going to do this scene the first the first take they did Tom Felton told her to slap him and didn't realize that she was actually gonna do it and like slapped him and so then she was like scared to do it so that's why they had it be like a punch because they could easily edit it (laughs) yeah Well, it was effective. I love that scene. <laughs> and I love the way that Tom Felton like reacts to. He like falls over and like runs away. He is so stinking cute. Like Malfoy is a little asshole, but like Tom Felton is adorable. Like I think he is so cute. I think this movie is the peak cuteness of all of these characters. Like to be honest, like I think mm-hmm. that they like they don't look like baby children and they don't look mm-hmm. like like adults. To be honest, like Dan and Ron, Dan and Rupert are like not like crazy attractive in adulthood. So like this is like kind of where I feel like they all peak a little <laughs> bit. Like everything. <laughs> I don't know. Goblet of Fire, Harry's hair gets long and I kind of like it. But I'm also a fan of long ha- longer hair on men. So yeah, that's fair. So the the kids are now 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're working with some seriously good actors in this movie. And so that's one thing that we're going to talk a ton about. Um, but I think that also helped elevate their acting is that they're working with more and more like mm-hmm. seriously skilled professionals. They literally got like a front row seat to the best acting class they could have ever taken. And they got oh, paid yeah. to do it. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. They're so lucky. One other thing we get in this movie that goes along with like the 13-year-old like adolescence bit is Mm -hmm. just the interactions between like Ron, Harry, and Hermione is kind of like evolving. Mm -hmm. And this is the first movie where we really get like Ron and Hermione bickering like a lot. You can tell they like each other in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you can – the seed is like starting – because they just like do little things like Ron notices when Hermione is there versus when she's not there and like I don't know it's just very cute I I am a hundred percent a Ron and Hermione stan like to the end 
forever. Yeah. Ever. It's cute. And I think it's really cute and well done in this movie. Specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So let's do our Ron temperature check. So yeah. it's just us. So we're at the third movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we already mentioned like Ron changes a little bit. Like he's noticing Hermione. But he mm-hmm. does get kind of cut from like the last like 40 minutes of the hour really of the movie. Well, no, not mm-hmm. hour. Like 40 minutes. Um, how do you how do you feel about Ron in this movie, Elizabeth? Okay. So before I say this, I just want to preface with I'm pretty sure Ron is my favorite character in the whole series. Fair. So um, I may be a little bit lenient on him, but I'm going to say he's on like medium heat in this movie. He okay. has some good like foreshadowing with the with Hermione showing up and not showing up kind of thing. Um, but then also he is like constantly defending Scabbers against Cruikshanks. And I'm like, listen, Scabbers is a rat and Cruikshanks is a cute little kitty. And we know that we are all team kitty cat here. So yes. that's not my fave. And then he also is like a little <laughs> bit of a weenie and he's like making fun of Hermione in a couple scenes, which is like not my fave. So he's getting a, he's getting a medium heat. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I think this is where like book readers and movie lovers, like people who just like love the canon of Harry Potter, like mm-hmm. this is when Ron starts to become like a little shit because he beca- he gets like mean to Hermione. And people are like, he like Why does was she he like that him? in the books or is do they change Worse. that for the movies? Oh. He's way worse in the books. They like really tone it down in the movies. So, but I think I think Ron is entertaining in this movie. So I'm a I'm a fan of him in this one. Yeah, he's cute. Yeah. I don't I I just have a soft spot in my heart for him. He's just adorable. I think Can't that's a very it. respectable favorite character to have, Elizabeth. Like Ron is a favorite character, one of the trio. Like he's super integral to the story. Pretty good. Yeah, I like him. Okay. And I feel like he's kind of like an underdog. Yes, 100% an there. underdog because <laughs> people never think that he's like capable of like doing really good magic. And then he shows that he is. It doesn't help too that in the first few films they give a lot of his like best lines and moments to Hermione. So it seems like he's not super cool. And then mm-hmm. he actually knows more than like they they let him let on in the movies. Hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the cinematography in this movie because it is so different. So we've got Alfonso Caron as the director and Michael Cerezian as his director of photography. And all the movies are shot, um, they end up in a 35 millimeter format. So they keep that in this movie. However, they used some different cameras in this one. So in the first two movies, especially the first one, because you had all these little kids like running around, they used like a million cameras to like get the angles. And Mm -hmm. in this one, they wanted to make it more dramatic. So they actually shot with a mobile camera. Um, and wide angle lenses. So they use the Aircam ST, about like 90% of the shooting of the movies, of this movie. Um, and what that enabled is to get like close ups, also have a lot going on in the background, 
and it enabled the the shots to be like wide and really dramatic for this movie. Um, so when you say like mobile camera, is that just like um like handheld or like what? Yeah, I don't mean? know. I just think it it's like it's like more is it like mobile. on wheels? <laughs> Girl. Okay, that's just what this <laughs> article the wrong said person. that I was reading about this. Let's see. I don't think they were handheld because I think you can tell like the handheld like doesn't look as steady. I just think they're more mm-hmm. mobile. More smaller. mobile than like yeah. They don't just like set cameras up around and leave them there. That's interesting. Yeah. And like also when you have a ton of cameras, it reduces the shot size that you can get. Like you can't where there's a camera, right? It. You can't shoot. Yeah. yeah. Um and so that's the problem because, we have trying to get angles for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so because <laughs> the kids are better in this film, they can do less takes and use like these cameras that enable more dramatic shots, which you could definitely tell the shots were really different in this movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah. one example of a great shot that I noticed is when Harry and Hermione are running from the werewolf Lupin um, mm-hmm. and the camera like follows them into the Forbidden Forest and then like follows them around the trees around the tree. too. And you can see like all the stuff going on in the background too. Yeah. yeah, that is a really cool shot because you like as the viewer are like trying to peer around because you know it's over there. You've already seen it over there and you're trying to like, yeah, around, you're like, please tell me it's not coming. Please tell me it's not coming. And of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you but- actually asked me to like list out some shots that I thought were good, too. Mm-hmm. So the first one I have is when. And we're, like, already in spoiler territory. So, like, if you haven't seen this, which we already talked about it, but anywho, like, we're we're just going at it. So when at the end, when they're time traveling and Harry and Hermione are watching the scene at the lake where Harry and Sirius are being attacked by the Dementors, mm-hmm. um, you see, like you're like watching Harry and Hermione watch the scene. And then when Harry goes to perform the Patronus, you're watching from Hermione's perspective. And it's just like a really like neat way to show that like what's going on and like how Hermione was seeing it. Cause you know, she would have been like incredibly impressed with that whole situation. So getting to see it like front row was really cool. Yeah. That is a really cool shot. And that's like a super dramatic realization in the movie so the fact that you get that cool of a shot with it and you've kind of already seen it from a different angle like Mm -hmm. that's cool yeah they did a good job hiding Harry like when you see it the first time because they kind of show like up close who's doing the Patronus but they like they hide him really well yeah, you know how they the do a good job everything. hiding that it's Harry so they don't actually make it a stag, which is like really fucked up, but it's fine. It should have been a I stag have... running around the yes. first time you see it, but it's not. You don't see the stag until the second time. Yeah. It's but okay. but if you haven't read the books, like you don't know that. Like I didn't know. Like 
I was like, oh, yeah, it's Harry's dad. Like, makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have known because of the stag that it was Harry. Like, I never would have known. (laughs) Well, no, the stag is what makes you think that it's Harry's dad. Because, which, so, so one thing we'll talk about more but they never explain the Marauders' backstory in the movie. Mm-mm. And it, that's I think that's why people dislike this movie in particular. And it's something that I've just like come to accept about it. But at this point in the story, Harry is supposed to know that his dad is an anime guy who turns into a stag. So when he mm-hmm. sees the stag, he doesn't think it's a Patronus. He literally thinks it's his dad. And he thinks mm-hmm. his dad is the one conjuring the Patronus. Like he just like that is what makes him think it's his dad. So yeah, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two other, uh, three others. <laughs> okay. Um, the second one is when Harry's flying on Buckbeak. I just thought that oh, it was yeah. like beautiful imagery. I'm pretty sure it's all like CGI, but like it just looked really pretty, like the background of everything. Hmm. And then when Harry, during the Quidditch match, which, shout out Hufflepuff because we're represented. Um, during the Quidditch match, when you when Harry's going after the snitch and he goes like straight up into the thundercloud and all the Dementors are around, like that was pretty cool. Like the way that they showed that and like you are kind of like moving with Harry and like discovering the Dementors at the same time as him. Which I thought was really yeah, neat. totally agree. The Quidditch in this movie, like, they they upped the ante for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last one I had, and this is not really like a shot, like a particular shot, um, but just like the way that they portray when they're going back in time, and you see like them moving around the room, and like other people moving around the room, and like. It was just an interesting way to do it. Oh, I I totally agree. It I wasn't have so like much a time warp situation. It like showed them, like it showed everything that was going on that day. Yeah, yeah. So they did a lot of really cool things to show the the time aspect of the movie. So mm-hmm. one of the things that they did, along with like how they kind of like showed time rewinding, is they actually incorporated the score. Um, there was this ticking clock sound that was heard throughout the f- the entire final act of the film. So like while they're back in time, you can hear mm-hmm. like a faint like ticking the whole time. Yeah. And then I what I also thought was cool is like some of the random shots that you get in this film. So like you get shots of the clock tower and they like go through the clock tower. With the gears um, and everything. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. – you get shots of the seasons changing around Hogwarts mm-hmm. and like the Wamping Willow. Willow like shaking the <laughs> snow <Yeah>. off. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought some of that stuff was really artsy and it's dramatic. Like little details that make a difference in the movie. Yeah. But they kind of kept it with like that like whimsical like feel of Harry Potter. And I just think that's part of why I like this movie so much because it makes the – like every every movie – passes a full year at Hogwarts and I think when there's so much to talk about that can be really hard to show in a movie 
And I think that Alfonso Caron did a really good job of showing that passage of time in this movie without making it feel like wildly rushed, despite the fact that the whole last hour of the movie is like one three-hour period in time. Like Mm -hmm. in that first hour and a half of the movie, they're still able to effectively show an entire school year passing by. Yeah. That is cool. Yep. So the costuming in this movie is a little bit different. So in the first movie, we had like the very traditional robes and the hats and everything. And this one, they're a little bit more liberal with the uniforms, they look mm-hmm. a bit more modern. So we see like a bunch of like untucked shirts and the kids kind of like protesting on their uniforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Quran actually told like Harry, Ron and Hermione um, that they should wear their uniforms like however they felt comfortable. So it would really like show the like personality of their character Um, Mm -hmm. And he also gave the same permission to like all the other characters. So you'll see a lot of them will have their tie loosened or they're not wearing a tie at all or their shirts untucked or however they were comfortable wearing it, which definitely gives character. And I think, too, for anyone who's ever gone to a school where you had to wear a uniform, like that's what kids do. Like Mm -hmm. they, they change it up, especially when they start getting old enough to make their own decisions and like have their own ideas. They definitely definitely do that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it added an element of realism to the movie. Mm -hmm. And like, I liked that they kept them in the uniforms too. Yeah. But allowed them to have that like freedom to kind of make them what they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, They did incorporate though some more modern clothing. So the last sequence of the movie the trio is just wearing like t-shirts, hoodies, jeans, like normal mm-hmm. people clothes. What like yeah. kids would wear in the time. Hermione has like pretty low rise <laughs> jeans and like this was 2004 for sure. It looks like the early 2000s. It's like super cringy to know that we wore stuff like that mm-hmm. and thought it looked good. Yeah. Yeah, but apart from the low-rise jeans, I feel like everything else is pretty nondescript. Like, it Mm -hmm. kind of can transcend time a little bit. We also get the beginning of the color schemes for the main Mm -hmm. characters. So Hermione's color scheme is, like, blue and green and pink. And then Harry's is, like, like white and gray and black. And Ron is, like, neutral tones and browns. And you see that, like, through the rest of the series – they have them dressed that way. The most iconic one comes later. Well, it's actually in the next movie. But yeah. um, Hermione's like pink dress that she wears to the Yule Ball. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they did costuming of all the characters, not just the trio, like pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. So we get some other characters in this one like Trelawney and Sirius and they have they all have very like distinct looks about them Mm -hmm. and I think they costume them very well I think Dumbledore's attire changes too yeah Um, like slightly but he gets more like extravagant robes Mm -hmm. and things like that yeah extravagant robes are fun I like that (laughs) 
Courtney's like, okay, maybe I don't hate him. <laughs> I don't. I tried really hard. I said hate in the beginning, I know, but I tried. <laughs> I want to make sure it's clear. It's the way that he portrays Dumbledore. I yeah. just don't love it. Um, We get more characters than ever in this movie that are entirely digital. So mm-hmm. last movie we got Dobby, but this movie we get a lot. So mm-hmm. we got the Dementors in this movie. They're scary AF. Those things are creepy. Mm-hmm. That's like nightmare I've, material. <laughs> seriously. I've been watching a lot of spooky movies recently, and those things are high up on my list of the spookiest creatures. <laughs> <laughs> they're like downplayed a little bit, but they're pretty freaking scary. Yeah, I think they do a really good job with them. I think they look mm-hmm. really realistic, and they look literally like they're sucking out your soul. And I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also get the werewolf in this movie, which looked a little strange. Yeah, I don't know that I fully buy into their werewolf design. It kind of like takes you out of it a little bit. Um mm-hmm. one because it doesn't look like a traditional werewolf, and I get that they were trying to like steer away from it looking traditional, but I was expecting it to have more of Lupin's features and it really Mm. didn't like he could completely transformed like it stayed slender and maybe the hair was the same color but like other than that like his scars were gone and it just it was like he was it wasn't even Lupin anymore which I guess it's kind of part of it but like I wish it had had more of his features Yeah, that's an interesting comment. I've never thought that because I'm kind of glad that it doesn't look like Lupin because like to me, like that's not Lupin. That's like a werewolf and then there's Lupin. And so like it's sad that he turns into that and that Greyback bit him and like turned him into this being. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do agree with you that it doesn't look like exactly like what I would have pictured it was to look like. However, mm-hmm. I can't really think of like exactly how it was described in the book. So I guess who am I, I to say? Liberties. Maybe I don't know. maybe it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we also get a flying hippogriff in this movie. Love Buckbeak. And I spent a lot of time with Buckbeak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very proud. The whole like we're not gonna talk about it a ton, but like the whole drama with Malfoy. And him, like, taunting Buckbeak. And then, like, he's like, my arm. What does he say? He's like, it's killed me. Or it's <laughs> – I don't remember what he yells when he falls he over. about it being broken or – Yeah, yeah. He's literally just been scratched. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that whole situation really makes you, like – despise the Malfoys mm-hmm. because like any normal parent would be like this is awful I'm like horrified that this happened to my child but like obviously it was his fault like you know Draco like obviously it was his fault yeah I'm not a parent I don't know how parents think but I would oh, think no. that they'd be like more reasonable than that <laughs> Lucius is literally the worst thing ever However, 
I think Tom Felton in this movie is so funny. Like the jokes that they gave him to deliver in this movie are golden. (laughs) I don't know if you felt the same way, but like the one where they're making fun of Harry for like fainting and he's like, look, look, a Dementor, a Dementor. Ah." And then like, I don't know. I just, I like was laugh out loud funny to me. Mm -mm. (laughs) This is one of the last ones where it gets to still be funny. It is not like super dark yet. Yeah. He's not like a complete and total bully. Mm -hmm. And then... We also get um, another character that's entirely digital is the dog, the giant dog that is serious and Harry sees a ton throughout the movie. That thing is scary. Mm-hmm. Why does Sirius have such a scary anime guy? Like, he's not a scary person. Like, I, I don't get that. I think they just did it for, like, dramatic effect in the movie, to be honest. He's just he, supposed like, to be, like, a big dog. You see him at the beginning of the movie and mm-hmm. he's just like coming up on Harry Potter and obviously just like wants to talk to him. But if you come growling out of the woods, no one's going to want to talk to you. Yeah, that's one thing that they they honestly just probably don't have time to put into the movies. But in the book, there's like a lot of time where like and it's in like probably in later movies, but where Sirius is a dog and he interacts with people and he's like really sweet. Like he like nudges them and like like acts like a dog basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you obviously don't get that in this movie. But I think he does make a line where he's like, actually people say I have a really sweet dis- disposition as a dog or something like that. Where Maybe did- it's in a later movie. Wasn't Crookshanks and Sirius the dog, weren't they like friends in the book? Yes, they did remove that. So Crookshanks like is always like off with Sirius and they're like BFFs (laughs) and then like comes back and like that is and that's why Crookshanks is always like trying to kill um, Scabbers because Crookshanks like knows. (laughs) Wow, cats are the best. I love that you know that. How do you know that? Um, Because I did a lot of research. Yeah, wow. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure there's a scene where in the book where like somebody, probably Harry, like sees Crookshanks like out with a black dog and he's like, that's weird as hell. Like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's for sure a thing. So this this movie also gets some cool new sets. There's a lot of sets that have um, a ton of digital elements. So one is the night bus early Mm -hmm. on in the movie. And we get Stan Sean Pike on the night bus. And then Harry has his like long, crazy ride back to <laughs> Diagon Alley. <laughs> yeah. So parts of the bus were digitized, but a lot of it is practical. Cool. So I don't know if you saw anything about how they filmed like the bus driving really fast. Uh-uh. But pretty much what they did is they had the bus driving at a normal speed and everything else was going really slow. Like they had the other cars driving really slow. Plus they were pulling the film through really fast, which gives it that effect that it's like zipping around everywhere. Yeah. Which is super neat. And like so intelligent. Like who thought of that? 
I would have. Is... I would have like just just throw it in there digitally. It'll be fine. Probably this guy, <laughs> so uh, Michael Serigian and Alfonso Caron. It's them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, geniuses. That's really cool. I I love the way that the bus looks, and it's cool watching it this movie back, and like it holds up so well. Like mm-hmm. it looks like the bus is like squeezing between two other buses <laughs> and like on the highway, you know, so neat. And I just love like, I don't know, they do a good job in this movie and in, in every movie, right? They have to like reintroduce you to the world of magic. And this is mm-hmm. such a cool way to do it. Like you just jump in and there's Stan Shumpike and the driver, Urn and everybody's like yelling and crazy and then you get all these like witches and wizards just like sleeping on the bus as if like literally as if this isn't happening right like it just it shows you the kooky world that is the witches and wizards yeah did harry call the bus or did it just appear it just appeared okay yeah it picks up like stranded witches and wizards so it's like just magical that it like knew Harry was stranded. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. from the book. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They did that pretty well, I think. Um, what's next? We already talked a little bit about it, but Quidditch in this scene or in this movie is like mm-hmm. way cooler, more fast paced. Um, they did it in a storm, which is wild. So again, the complete and total disregard for the safety of anyone involved, like oh yeah, spectators, like everyone's just out there in it, and the Dementors are running wild, rogue, like no one is controlling them. Yep, yep. Wouldn't be the magical world if they didn't have just like absolute controlled chaos all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then the last one I want to mention is Hagrid's hut. And like the mm-hmm. pumpkin patch area, um, because they actually filmed, pra- they filmed in like Glencoe, Scotland, to get mm-hmm. that like backdrop, which I think is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read too. Um, so like, whenever they're in Hagrid's hut, there's like bats in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed the bats that are flying around, no. but they're real bats, and. What? Uh, if you could guess, bats are difficult to train. Yeah. And so they were difficult also to film with, but they pretty much would just like set food like around in different places and the bats would fly from place to place to get the food. That's so cool. Yeah. One thing we had, I don't think we've like talked enough about Hagrid's hut as like a concept because mm-hmm. like, so Robbie Coltrane is a big guy but he's only like six foot something tall and Mm -hmm. so they have they do a lot of cool things in Hagrid's hut to kind of give the appearance that like Hagrid is bigger than he seems Mm -hmm. so they give him like really big like oversized furniture and everybody else like small normal size furniture Mm -hmm. and just like they have to do a lot of interesting things to like make Hagrid look humongous like emphasize yeah. Also, yeah. I will point out Hagrid's hut is like that purse, the magic purse that Hermione has that just like so much stuff. You can just fit like a whole world in there pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's 
tiny from the outside. You walk in and there's like all this space, but also there's not a bed. Like he doesn't have a bedroom. It's literally just like the kitchen common space. You're like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Completely impractical. And I just love that they like, it gets so much screen time because it is such a big part of the books like that Harry, Ron and Hermione like go down and hang out in Hagrid's hut. It's so. like their safe space. No, I love that. Okay, are you ready to get into the seven key plot points of the movie? Seven is a magic number. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one. Back at the Dursleys for the summer, Vernon's sister Marge provokes Harry, insulting his mother and oh. father until the magic <laughs> in Harry bubbles over and he unintentionally blows up Aunt Marge like a balloon. She got what she deserved. That lady had it coming. Yes, she did. Evil. She had it coming. She was talking so much smack about Harry's Who does parents. that? Who does that? Who's, who stands in front of a child whose parents are dead and says like, oh, the father was a drunk? Like, why would you ever say that? She, I don't know. Really she awful got what, what was coming to her. She deserved it. I have. I do not feel bad for her at all. I would have let her Mm-mm. float away too. Me too. Yeah, I think that that whole scene is very well done, and mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious. And I also read that Dudley has no speaking parts in this movie. I okay, Dudley. Dudley the care the actor apparently he was almost recast because the actor lost a bunch of weight and so they ended up having to put him in a fat suit (laughs) oh yeah yeah well he's supposed to be I I just I just literally like earlier today started rereading this book on um audiobook and uh-huh. they describe in this scene Dudley as having five chins so <laughs> the way that JK Rowling writes is hilarious she is like <laughs> she gives no fucks she just like calls people out so like she describes like Uncle Vernon as like a walrus like it, it is crazy the Dursleys <laughs> deserve it though they so yeah. deserve it they're awful yeah, they do <laughs> they do Yep. And then so Harry ends up with the Minister of Magic in Diagon Alley and he's all like, it's all good, sir. Like you blowing up your aunt. No big deal. Nothing to worry about. (laughs) No big deal. So. So political. So (sighs) political. (sighs) Hate fudge so much. Okay. All right. Number two. Lupin teaches Harry how to fight Dementors. So the Dementors seem to affect Harry more than the others at the castle. So Harry asks Lupin to teach him to defend himself against them. Lupin teaches Harry how to cast a Patronus charm, magic far beyond that of a third year at Hogwarts. So let's start by talking about like the moments within the film that are really cool when Dementors are affecting Harry in general Mm -hmm. so the first one is the scene on the train when we are like first introduced to the dementors and they come 
one of them comes into their compartment and like starts literally acting like he's going to suck out Sari's soul on the train. For no reason. Um, So I thought the use of ice was very effective because Mm -hmm. then like later in the movie when the dementors are coming around and stuff starts icing over, like, you know, you know, it's about to happen. Yeah. It also looked really cool. Like, yeah, Ron's hand is like on the window and it's like iced around his hand. And I just thought it was really cool. Um, Something I read about that specifically. So I don't think in the books ice was associated with the Dementors. Maybe it was. Um, I think you feel a chill. I think that's definitely described. Okay. So Caron, the director, is Mexican and he has a very thick accent. And the first mm-hmm. time he told the effects team that he wanted everything to turn into ice, they heard eyes and they made a storyboard <laughs> where eyes are like all these different sized eyes are falling from the sky. <laughs> and so they like show up with this storyboard and he's like horrified. He's like, what is that? He's like, I said ice, <laughs> not eyes. <laughs> wait that's hilarious hilarious like of course and they like didn't question it they're like yep eyes that makes total sense oh my gosh i was watching so many (laughs) videos of alfonso crone in like the making of this movie and Mm -hmm. one of the ones that i saw is like the very first scene where harry is like saying lumos under the covers Mm -hmm. which first of all mistake he would get immediately expelled from school because you can't like use magic outside of school but that scene there was like this moment when Alfonso like went up to um, Dan and was like trying to tell him something and he like held onto his foot like in the like I guess he's like sitting like his feet are up you know mm-hmm. and and Dan is like you might not want to touch that and he was like "Ooh," <laughs> like his foot was like sweaty or something Gross. I don't know. Yeah, very <laughs> gross. I guess they all um, kind of had to get comfy with each other. They spent a lot of time together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, we already talked about the Quidditch moment with the Dementors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. then we also get the moment with the Bogart in the Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Alan Rickman in women's clothing is <laughs> that he was fabulous the like oh yeah looking around it like and like the hat had a feather on it and the feather would like twitch when he moved I was like, <laughs> this is literally hilarious like there, it's like such a serious scene and then that's going on like and then mm-hmm. and he doesn't stop too like the camera is like not focused on him it's like the kid it's like looking at the kids and he's still going like still like looking around and like oh my god alan rickman it. is a treasure just a treasure (laughs) to have on this cast and he's so good in every movie and that is a that is a gem of a moment (laughs) also the like jack-in-the-box thing which is supposed to be the the snake turned funny is like Mm -hmm. low-key like more scary than the snake to me yes I agree with that Yep. And then Lupin steps in front of Harry because he thinks that the Bogart is going to turn into Voldemort. And then it mm-hmm. turns into the full moon, mm-hmm. which is foreshadowing to Lupin. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, 
when you watch this movie for the first time, did you pick up on the fact that Lupin was a werewolf? Because I feel like they make it like really obvious in the film. And maybe that's just because I've seen this movie like 20 times, but. I don't think so. Um, okay. I knew he was. Okay. Here's a little backstory on me. I studied French for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, Lupin is a wolf in French. So Professor oh. Lupin is Professor Wolf. So I, I was like, okay, like something. But I think I thought he was the black dog, like yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah, that makes um, sense. That's confusing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I answered oh. your question. <laughs> so you kind of had like an inkling that something was up, but kind of. Yeah, I don't think yeah. the full moon with the boggart or whatever it's called, I don't think that – like I don't think I – question that at all i think i was kind of like what the hell like why did it turn into a night sky yeah yeah very that but that's like the first bit that you get that like oh like Mm -hmm. if you're really paying attention you're like oh there's a little moment Mm -hmm. so lupin is one of if not like the like my favorite character in this series and a lot of it has to do with the fact that like him and Harry have this like really unique relationship that's like almost parental, like Lupin acts like his father in a way. And a lot of it is cut from the movies, from subsequent movies. But we do get a decent amount of it in this movie because this is the first time that we get Lupin. And I I just love the moments that we get with him. Um mm-hmm with David Thewlis and like the moment when he tells Harry like like your mother was there for me when like nobody else was and like you look just like your father and I just like love how they get so much one-on-one time in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah it is very cute and it's too bad that Harry didn't get to have Lupin in his life longer because he really does seem like an amazing person and if I'm being completely honest seems like he's probably one of the best teachers that Hogwarts has he's so patient he's very knowledgeable um and he just like like you can tell he cares like, no matter what else is going on with him, he was, like, always worried about the students first. And Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a running joke that, like, in the series up until this point, like, the student, at least for Harry's class, like, the students have had shit defense against the dark arts teachers. Like, arguably, like, the most important subject in school. And it is until, like, Lupin that they actually get, like, a decent teacher to teach them mm-hmm. anything in this class. Oh, <laughs> well. Yeah. But love Lupin and love the moments of, like, him working with Harry and picking memories. And actually, I read that the chain – the memory that Harry used to conjure the Patronus with Lupin, they actually changed that from the memory that was used in the book. Um, which I thought was interesting because I really liked the memory that they changed it to. So Courtney, 
I know. Who's always upset that movies deviate from the book. I know. Well, has selected. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Crazy to say, but it's true. I know. Okay. Number point number three. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs left their incredible Marauders map at Hogwarts to end up in the hands of none other than Fred and George Weasley. But Fred and George pass this map on to Harry, the map that can see what everyone is doing inside the castle at all times, and also give Harry access to the seven secret passageways within. I love how when this gets handed down to Harry, he's like, where'd you get this? And they're like, we snatched it from Filch's office, of course. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Filch's office, of course. Where else? <laughs> when they were in detention in Filch's office. <laughs> also, Naturally. like, how did how did the Marauders just, like, leave this map, like, at the school? I guess Filch confiscated it from them. That's, like, the story. <laughs> If I had to guess, Dumbledore probably confiscated it and it ended up with Filch because Filch is kind of like the keeper of the fourth floor, right? I guess. <laughs> so it's probably I just think- in there with the other stuff. <laughs> no, if I had to guess, the way that it was intended is my guess would be that Filch nicked it from the Marauders like when they were in school and they were just figure like, out what it was. Eh, whatever. We're about to graduate. Just leave it. You know, like... <laughs> What's so wild is that map is incredibly dangerous in the wrong hands. Yes. Can you imagine like if like Voldemort got a hold of it and figured out how to use it? Like. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And Lupin's were insane. Did you ever consider that that map in the hands of Sirius Black is a map to you? Mm. okay so wait we need to do like a quick because the marauders are not explained in this movie and i did do a little bit of research um i also so there's another movie podcast out there called raiders of the lost podcast and they recently did an episode where they're they're explaining a fanfic that they wrote about the marauders And that was like extremely enlightening for me because I didn't know anything about them. They're never Mm -hmm. brought up in in the movies ever. Um, So Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs are the Marauders. And those are their, well, Mooney is Lupin and he's the werewolf, but the rest of them are anime guy. And they, it like describes their characters that they turn into, right? Yeah. Yep. Which and they oh, that would have been ahead. such a great point for them to include in the movie. Like it would have made I, a whole bunch of things make sense. Couldn't agree more. It's such <laughs> a shame that they that they dropped it. It's one of the coolest parts of the movies or of mm-hmm. the books. And it's it's so like I don't know, they drop so much backstory from the from the movies and they mm-hmm. have to, right? Like they can't keep everything in. But this is one where it's it's just so sad because it's like the coolest characters and and it explains so much about not only like Lupin and Sirius and Pettigrew and James, but about like Snape 
and Harry's relationship and why Snape hates Harry so much Mm -hmm. because of the Marauders and but also why he cares for Harry because of Lily and so it's just like so sad not to see it in the movie Mm-hmm. But yeah, you have all all of that exactly right. So Lupin was a werewolf, and when his friends discovered it, they figured out how to make themselves unregistered anime guy in order to like keep up with him in the night. That's so nice of them. I like, know. Make sure that he didn't do anything bad. Yeah, and it's like kind of a big deal because nobody knows that they're anime guy. Like not even Dumbledore. So like Dumbledore doesn't know that Sirius and Peter Pettigrew are anime guy. And it becomes like a big deal because Lupin knows, but Lupin doesn't tell Dumbledore that Sirius is an anime guy. And so that's why Snape is like telling Dumbledore like Lupin is not to be trusted because like he clearly like I think Snape knows that more Lupin knows more of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I know. Why cool would that plot have been? Uh, love that literally could have been an entire movie on its own. Well, like maybe it could have been like a three and a half movie. Or two I would half. recommend that everybody go listen to James and Anthony's The Marauders episode, mm-hmm. the Raiders of the Lost yeah. podcast. We'll and link it in the show notes. Yeah, it's really fun. And I hope that Warner Brothers picks it up and makes it into a show because I would 100% watch that. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And then one other thing about the map is that Harry sees Pettigrew in the map and kind of follows him through the castle. And then we get this like really fun scene with him and Snape where Snape is like, what is that? He's like, just just a spare bit of parchment. (laughs) Reveal your secrets. And it just insults him. Messrs. Mooney, Pat, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs recommend that Professor Snape gets his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. <laughs> abnormally large. <laughs> I would be, if I was Snape, I would have been offended. Like, watching that scene back, it's like, it makes you think that Harry's making this up and not, like, actually reading it from the paper. <laughs> the way he says it. Yeah, <laughs> he like looks up. He looks Snape in the eyes. <laughs> Gets his abnormally large nose out of other people's business. <laughs> and then Lupin's like, "This looks like a parchment that's been enchanted to just insult anyone that's trying to read it." A Zonko's product, potentially. <laughs> uh, okay, number four. After Hermione storms out of divination because she thinks Trelawney and her subject is phony, Harry returns to find Professor Trelawney in a sort of trance. She delivers what certainly feels like an actual prophecy to Harry. And I'm going to read the prophecy. Ooh. I don't know if I'm going to read it in the Trelawney voice. voice. (laughs) (laughs) He will return tonight. Tonight, he who betrayed his friends whose heart rots with murder shall break free. Innocent blood shall be spilt and servant and master shall be renighted once more. <laughs> and then she's like, ah, 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 ah. hello, Harry. Have I said something? <laughs> He's like, uh. <laughs> Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. 
Do you know who that is, Elizabeth? No. She plays, she's an incredible, an incredible British actress. And just for like reference of who she is, she plays the um, wife of Alan Rickman in Love Actually, the like blonde haired, oh, short haired lady. Okay. Yeah. 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 And Aww. like to see her in this role is just so, so different, but she's incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So I think divination would probably be my favorite class. It seems like it's just like very fun and kind of like artsy fartsy. And yeah, it's like go with the flow. Like, I don't know. What are the tea? What are the tea leaves speaking to you today? Like, I don't know. It Mm -hmm. just seems very fun. I, I like divination and I like her, except I think I would be I would be scared to ever interact with her had that had the whole prophecy scene happened in front of me. I never would have talked to her. I wouldn't I would have dropped the class. Like I've done so, because I can't. Yeah, hundred percent same. I would have looked exactly like Harry, been like speechless. Um, but to your point about liking divination, so they did cut that from the movies. There was like a whole group of students, so like the Patil sisters and Lavender. And mm-hmm. they were like obsessed with divination and they like love Professor Trelawney and they like go hang out up in her attic and like read the tea leaves with her and stuff. I feel like it's like analogous to like uh, like star signs and like astrology like in – well, it's not though because there actually is a class called astrology in – or astronomy, some, something like that. Like in, in the – they cut that out for the most part from the books. Um, I mean from the movies. But – they so what's interesting is that they did change the prophecy too. The prophecy is different in the book. Why would they do like that? Bit, I just like don't understand. Like why would they change it? It's just like a bit longer, like a little bit, I guess. And I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they changed it. Um, but it's effective. I thought that scene was like creepy as hell. And I think it, that's exactly how it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they do a good job of like making Trelawney look like, for the most part, a fraud. And then, like when she she looks does, crazy, yeah, yeah, she was like and a then crazy when she, person. yeah, because she is. And then when she gives like the actual prophecy, like, like every, okay. Harry's like, whoa, and um, <laughs> this is real. There's a, <laughs> There's a joke that's cut out of the movie, but it's in the book where at the very end when um, Harry's like talking to Dumbledore, he tells him like, hey, like Trelawney gave me this prophecy and Dumbledore makes a joke that's like, that's the second like real prophecy that Professor Trelawney has ever made. I should give her a pay raise for giving an actual prophecy. (laughs) A pay raise? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> Number five. Scabbers turns out to be Peter Pettigrew. So Ron is dragged into the Whomping Willow by the Grim, the large black dog, aka Sirius. When Harry and Hermione follow, they're in for a world of discovery. The black dog is actually Sirius Black. Lupin is a werewolf, and Peter Pettigrew has been posing as Ron's rat Scabbers for the last 12 years. <laughs> Listen, nobody <laughs> liked Scabbers 
to begin with. No. And now Scabbers is like on the most wanted list. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that is like these reveals are like my favorite thing. Really, my favorite thing about this scene is just the incredible acting that we get. So it's like the mm-hmm. first big scene in the movies where we get a bunch of like adult actors leading the way. So we have um, Lupin, Sirius, Pettigrew, and Snape all here together. and All in one scene. Yeah. And Gary Oldman, literally so good. Alan Rickman, so good. Like you can just feel like the angst from when they were all teenagers together. And like now they're adults. And like the hatred that Lupin and – serious have for peter pettigrew is like so evident like they just hate him so so much and there's a scene we didn't talk about it but when harry thinks that serious portrayed his parents and he's like he was their friend and Mm -hmm. he betrayed them and then like it was one of their friends that portrayed them but it wasn't serious it was this guy and harry sees Sirius and Lupin both feeling the same way that he was feeling which is I'm sure very validating yeah yeah I like when um Sirius is like like so Peter's like what would you have done and Sirius is like I would have died I would have died (laughs) rather than betray my friend you can just uh, I know it's so sad and it's it's so cool to see also in this part like some real like intense magic starting to happen. So like mm-hmm. this is where Harry does his first like infamous Expelliarmus and he disarms Professor Snape. And Hermione's like, you just whatever to a teacher. You just attacked a teacher. Harry. And Harry's <laughs> like, we'll deal with that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So love this scene. Even like the like Peter Pettigrew like him like when he becomes like a person again and he's like mm-hmm, like acting like a rat it looks like a rat if you had been a rat for 12 years are you kidding <laughs> yeah, yeah That's he insane. Looks creepy as hell I think they did like a really good job casting him but every time <sighs> I see him I'm like how were James and Sirius and Lupin like friends with this loser like he is well wasn't he like not actually their friend he was like obsessed with them and so like all right you can be in the group yeah he was like a follower really yeah but like at the same time like he was one of the marauders like he made it on the map so like he was their friend and he was trusted with the secret location of james and lily yes he was Ugh. wrongfully so yeah and then One of, like, the most important parts of this scene is that Harry convinces Lupin and Sirius not to kill Peter Pettigrew because that comes back later. So it's, yeah, so it's, but it's, but it's important that that happens and it's, I'm glad that they made sure to include that in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, because, well, okay, let's go on to the next one. Sorry. Well, one last thing is like all this takes place in the Shrieking Shack. 
which I love that we get the Shrinking Shack and that like during the scene, it's like moving. Moving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Being held together by magic itself. Mm -hmm. I love that we finally in this moment, like this scene, you figure out what the Whomping Willow is for. Yes. And why it was put there. Because it's at this point been in so much of the series like in the last book it was really important and in this book it was important in this movie um how do you feel about the the art of the whomping willow because they changed it for this movie like a little bit oh i didn't even notice i didn't notice that they changed it (laughs) yeah i mean they just made it like some of the branches like longer but i think they did a good job of like keeping some of them those like giant bulb things that like come down so it still looked sort of the same Mm mm-hmm yeah, some people yeah. like get really angry that they changed it, but I'm like, I didn't even notice. I yeah, still knew it was the Whomping Willow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, number six, the full moon. The group exits the Whomping Willow, planning to take Pettigrew to the Dementors, but there's a hitch in their plan. Tonight happens to be a full moon, and Professor Lupin has forgotten to take his potion. Lupin transforms into a werewolf. And Pettigrew manages to escape. Fucking Pettigrew. We hate him so And you know much. because he gets away that he's going to come back. Like you just know that he's going to have something to do with the rest of the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got the prophecy from Trelawney. Servant going to be reunited with Master. Wonder what's going to happen in the next movie. I'm literally rolling my eyes. For those of you listening and not watching... My eyes rolled like 10 times. Just <laughs> uh, So in this scene, we get a, a few things. So before all like the craziness goes down, um, we get Harry chatting with Sirius, which is, you know, we talked a lot about Lupin, but another father figure that's introduced in this movie is Sirius. And we get them chatting and Sirius telling Harry, like, you could live with me. We could live in, like, the countryside. I know. And he was so happy. I know. Like, and you could tell, like, immediately, too. Like, they were falling into their godfather, godson roles, right? Like, they just got along, like, the same. And that's, like, a really big thread of the books as well is that, um serious like kind of thinks of harry as james and him and mrs weasley like get into it because she's like he's not james like he's harry and so that's like the start of like immediately like you can tell not only does harry have his like father figure but serious like has his friend again Aww. i know yeah makes uh what happens next really sad so Lupin turns into a werewolf. Uh, Pettigrew escapes. Snape actually comes in and protects the trio. How cute was that? Him just like standing in front, like not even thinking about it. I know. I know. You're showing your sweet side. I know. I could see as like, so we'll check in with Holly, but like I wonder what she is thinking like while she's watching this scene, right? Because like for the first movie, like you're convinced that like Snape is trying to steal the stone, yeah. and then like you continue to see him like hating Harry. Even but, in the like, second movie, even in the second movie, you are convinced yeah. he is in some way related. And in this movie, he is like 
he hates Harry and he hates Lupin and he's like so mean and then he protects them. And so I feel like as somebody like- He's also mean to Hermione. Yes. He's so mean. He's called her an insufferable know-it-all. And he takes five points from Gryffindor. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I knew exactly where I was going to plug that. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. I better get points for my impersonations. You've got Um, lots of points. Oh, bless you. Bless you. (laughs) We got to take also got to take five points from Hufflepuff because we get we didn't talk about it, but the Quidditch scene, we get a seeker that's supposed to be Cedric Diggory. That's not the real Cedric Diggory. He just gets replaced. Okay. Um, he gets replaced with a much better actor. Hundred percent. We love our past. Cannot wait okay. for the Robert Pattinson love train to begin. Oh my Cannot god! Wait. Next wait. episode. Next episode. People get excited. <laughs> so okay, I don't think there's much okay, else I, to talk about. I interrupted about. you. You said Snape steps in to protect the children, and then yeah, and that's. I mean, that's pretty much it. Like. Harry and Harry follows. Well, Sirius and uh, Lupin have a fight. Oh yeah, they do have a fight in their really animal fight. form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked the backdrop, like where they were. It was cool. It looked. Spooky. And then you see, like almost like the thriller music video. Like I was expecting them to like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this movie does a good job of like being spooky and scary and dramatic, but also like. Not being too spooky and scary and dramatic. It's like and like it's like the obvious. Like they they yeah. go very obvious with it so that it's like it's still a kids movie, you know? Yeah, but it's not like cheesy. Like I no. love this movie as an adult. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, and then I think the last bit of this scene is when Harry and Sirius go down to the lake, and mm-hmm. Sirius is about to get like kissed. He's by getting the, the kiss. Yeah. Yeah, that is like an interesting choice of like you can see his soul coming out, but uh, it's effective. I wouldn't expect that to be what a soul looks like, but I think they do portray the soul like that in subsequent movies as well. Mm-hmm. So they picked it and they ran with it. So <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> okay. And number seven. With Dumbledore's recommendation, Harry and Hermione turn Hermione's time turner three turns. Three times. Going back (laughs) in time to the start of the night. They head out on a wild journey to somehow save both Buckbeak from his death and Sirius from the Dementor's kiss. Why didn't they also trap Peter Pettigrew? Because they could have. So they talk about that. Because he... I don't think they could have like he becomes his rat form and like scurries away into the brush. Like I don't think there was any way for them to find him. The only way that remember because Harry says like, well, why don't we go into the hut now and just like grab scabbers? Mm -hmm. And there's like no way to do that without like like, really messing with time. Happen to wizards that meddle with time, Harry. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I think the only other time they could have done it is like, in the Whomping Willow. Because remember, like, 
Ron has him there, but then he bites him and escapes. And then Ron follows him into the Whomping or follows him to the Whomping Willow. And then Sirius like takes him in there. So yeah. the only way that they could have gone and gotten Peter Pettigrew is if they had like gone and interrupted that part as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But we do get Buckbeak saved. So we get the scene where Harry and Hermione like step in and take Buckbeak. And <laughs> my favorite part, there's a lot of the scene like with Hermione like throwing the shells in the hut and stuff. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part is when like Dumbledore and the minister like come out and of the hut and Dumbledore's like, look over there. Like, <laughs> and like is trying how to does distract Dumbledore them. know what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. Like, how does he know? <laughs> Dumbledore is so smart. I don't know. Uh, he's like the all-knowing being. I have so many questions about Dumbledore that are unanswered. I love the music in this scene too. It like mm-hmm. really gets you like on edge the whole time. You're like in the crows. Get yeah, like get Buckbeak. I'm like Buckbeak, come on. These people are trying to save you. They're like got the ferrets and like come on. I got you a nice juicy dead ferret. (laughs) (laughs) And then Harry produces a stag as his Patronus and saves Sirius and himself. So I, I was under the assumption that the, um, memory he used to create that Patronus was, the memory of Sirius telling him that they were going to live together. Mm, maybe. Is that what you assumed? <laughs> it could be. He says that, like, the reason he could do it is because he knew he'd already done it. He knew he'd already done it. So he yeah. maybe used, like, that memory then. That's so neat. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but... According to Dumbledore, only a really powerful wizard could have conjured it. Foreshadowing. Yeah, he becomes like kind of famous for this Patronus in later movies. So I for love how all their Patronuses one. have little animals. I know. It's so cute. <laughs> it's really cute. Yeah. Oh, fun fact about the little Patronus animals. If you're into Funko Pops, Funko created an entire line of the Patronus animals that you can did they really get and have yeah they did that's cool mm-hmm. <sighs> well I'm just have my one Funko Pop now it's up there it's my Gryffindor lion Mine's back here. Oh, I have three <laughs> got them all at the same time <laughs> um yeah so next in the film is just Harry and Hermione, they save Sirius from the mm-hmm. tower where he's with like Buckbeak. housed up in the castle. Yeah, they use Buckbeak. Mm-hmm. And I Sirius wrote here goes that he escapes to who knows where. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows where. And then Harry also has to say goodbye to Lupin. He loses two really special people. I know. So I know. Sad. But he stays in contact with him at least. They're just like gone for the time being, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I just I love Gary Oldman. I think he was cast so incredibly well as Sirius. Mm-hmm. And I even like the way that Alfonso Caron like 
made him look like he gave him all these like tattoos like that wasn't in the books but I think so it's pretty effective he showed up to set for the first time Tom Felton thought he was like one of the custodians at the studio <laughs> oh my god that's crazy <laughs> and let he's just like only one of the like most incredible actors of his time yeah but they had him looking so like mundane Raggedy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean ra- raggedy literally raggedy they had yes, his hair yes. like unkempt so like matted <laughs> yep um so yeah and then the last shot of the film is a freeze frame of i loved it i thought it was so fun (laughs) he like gets his new broomstick and everyone's like yeah and he like jumps on the broom and he's like happy as can be like smiling ear to ear that's like the last thing you see going into the next movie yeah it's cute it's better it's a better end, I think, than the last movie, which ended with, like, hugging Hagrid. Um, I loved both of those endings. I think they've ended all three of the movies so far really well. I, I mean, yeah, they have. But the so this one in particular, it kind of gets me going a little bit because so there's two major things that they changed with this movie mm-hmm. and not what the marauders we already talked about they like omitted that mm-hmm. but the other one is this timeline of this quid of the broom because he gets mm-hmm. the firebolt mm-hmm. and in the books Sirius gives harry the firebolt like halfway through the school year because the nimbus 2000 breaks in the whomping willow and so mm-hmm. harry's without a broom for a while and it's like a big deal because the broom like nobody knows who the broom comes from so the school confiscates it and they don't let him have it for like weeks until they like can check it out it, and like in case it could make be dangerous. sure yeah, yeah make sure it doesn't have any, like dark magic in it and then they give him the firebolt and then he uses it for the quidditch season instead of like getting it at the end of the school year from Sirius. but but it's fine like it's cute how they made it like very obviously from Sirius and now we get this like moment and it's like mm-hmm. the bonds I don't know it's cute but it is very cute I think it's I remember beautiful. the first time I watched this movie in theaters being like oh, what that's wrong <laughs> like how did they let <laughs> me do that <laughs> I can see a younger version of Courtney sitting in her seat and being like is anyone else seeing this they have committed a cardinal sin. <laughs> Just like I'm Hermione. Sorry. Just like Hermione. Yeah, literally exactly like Hermione. My family used to call me Hermione because I was like, like about these books, I would be like, well, actually, it was like this in the book. So. Love me. it. Okay. Well, that concludes our discussion. Liz, is there anything that I that we missed talking about? I don't think so. Well, Okay. One of my favorite scenes we didn't talk about okay. it because it's like sort of irrelevant. But when Harry's like sitting up at night, like analyzing the Marauders map and just like mm-hmm. looking at who's in the castle and whatever. And then Ron like wakes up from a um, nightmare talking about the spiders. And Harry's like, tell those spiders, Ron. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And, like rolls over. I just <laughs> yeah. thought it was so cute. I was like, oh, I think Ron. <laughs> I, of course, it's a Ron moment that you love, but I agree. 
And I think they did a really good job of like interjecting like little comedic moments like that. Like Mm -hmm. that's why I love this movie because I think it's cute and it's emotional and it's funny and it's dramatic and it's like all the things that it really should be. Mm -hmm. Very cute. Okay. Um, Do you have a favorite piece of magic from this film, Elizabeth? Yes. Obviously, it has to be the Marauder's Map. Yeah, that's a good one. Also, just like everything involving like divination. I don't even know if that's magic or not, but yeah, it's I all loved magic. all of that. It's all magic. What I think mine you? is probably the Patronus just because that's such an iconic hairy thing. So, mm-hmm. yee. 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 And then do you have a favorite magical creature in this film? Yes, the Dementors are my favorite magical creature from this movie. I think mostly because we don't really know much about them, but they're like incredibly fascinating. Just like so intriguing. Yeah, they are fascinating and dark and there's a lot more to come with the Dementors. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. Um, Mine is probably Buckbeak for sure. But one that doesn't get mentioned in the film that I'm just now thinking of is there's so Hagrid becomes the care of magical creatures teacher in this movie. Mm -hmm. And after the Buckbeak incident, he makes like care of magical creatures like really boring because he doesn't want to get in trouble again. So he makes them take care of these animals called blast ended scroots, which are like these like huge like slug things that like blast off on one end and like shoot across the ground and like the students have to like take care of them and they're like potatoes and they like grow really big <laughs> but that's i think okay. they, they talk out. about them they like, might that maybe in like a a later movie i can't remember i feel like i've heard that before maybe i've heard you talk about it i don't know maybe <laughs> they're kind of a silly concept so it's fine that they cut them but Okay, and then your favorite character in this film, and I but I can guess who it is. It's Lupin. I don't care if he's a werewolf. I love him anyways. Oh, you're going to say Ron. I love Lupin oh, no. too. Ron is Ron takes a backseat in this movie, which is okay. He comes back in the next one. Yeah, he can't always be the hot commodity in every movie. I like when Dumbledore like pats him on the leg in the hospital <laughs> yeah. wing and he's like wincing. Yeah. Yeah, I think Lupin is my favorite character also. I love I love him. I think Sirius is a close second. Okay. That's it. So I think it's time to rate the movie. And Ooh. as always, we rate the movies in Letterbox 0 to 5 stars. Liz, you're first. I gave this one 4 stars. Okay. Still a great movie. Um just I don't know what it was about it I like had to watch it multiple times and like it's just like not as memorable to me I don't know why but four still like obviously a great movie four stars is a great movie but it's not as good as the second one yeah I agree so this is my favorite Harry Potter movie um Mm -hmm. By far. And I think the reason is because it has the most rewatchability to me. Like I could watch this movie like at all times. And Mm -hmm. 
the one complaint I have about this movie is that they omit the marauders from the story. And so that's really, Mm -hmm. really sad. But I still love this movie. And I just think it's like one of the best movies ever. So I give it a five star. I'm not surprised. (laughs) No, no. Hey, B-Critics, it's Holly, and I'm back with another Harry Potter review. So this week, I watched along Liz and Court to watch Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and I have some thoughts. (laughs) So just like last time, I'm going to quickly run through my seven key takeaways, and then I will give y'all my review of this movie at the end. Um, So my first thought was that this movie was never-ending. Um, Every time that I thought, like, we'd resolved the conflict, it was over, they just extended it and it kept going, which led for a lot of, like, twists and turns and things I wasn't expecting. Um, And I feel like I have not read the books, but I feel like this was probably because they kept the books really true to the movie. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I kind of liked it because, like, nowadays I feel like most movies, like... I don't know, they, like, cut things out that are crucial from books, and I liked that, like, it seemed like they probably kept it true to the story, so I thought that was cool. Although it did, like, the whole time I was like, okay, is it over now? But it was, it was good, but I was like, is it over now? Okay, (laughs) second, um, so much was going on. There were so many new magical creatures, there were new characters, there was just so many things happening that... I feel like is one of the magical parts of the whole Harry Potter wizarding world is that you could watch this movie 10 times and every time you watch it, you would see something new. Um, I don't know if y'all feel that same way, but the whole time I was like, just like I had to keep my eyes on the screen because there were so many things happening and, and so many new characters and things that if I wasn't paying attention, I would miss. And I think that's something that makes this series so special and one of the reasons why like people love it. Um, three, we kind of talked about this in the first episode. Um, Liz kind of brought up that they had to re um, they had to shoot the movies like back to back to back because the kids were growing and um, they grow so fast. And I can tell already in this third movie, like the kids look so much older already. And so I really like, I noticed that and I was like, okay, now I'm kind of intrigued to watch the next couple of movies because I want to see how much they grow in just like a short amount of time. Um, my first point was Hermione signing up for so many classes and having to like be at multiple classes at the same time was such a Hermione move. Like that is so, I was like, that's a Hermione move. Like wouldn't expect anything different out of her uh but it also and I feel like this is probably why and it kind of like I feel like we circle back at the end but I felt like at the beginning I missed Hermione I felt like I didn't get a lot of her she was missing she wasn't around as much um for like the first bit of the movie and I guess it was because she was just so busy taking all her classes (laughs) um but then at the end when she comes in with the time necklace I can't remember what it was called Um, and then kind of helps Harry, like, save the day, um, she redeems herself a little bit, and it makes sense to why she's missing, I felt like she was missing the first half of the movie. 
Um, my fifth point is that Ron's rat being the bad guy uh, threw me off. I definitely thought that the bad guy was going to be like that new professor guy who ends up being like friends with the prisoner, uh, Cyrus, his friend. Um, sorry about the names, but I was like, in no world did I expect that rat that we gave Ron a hard time about in the very first movie I never thought that rat would turn out to be a bad guy and it makes me think back to our conversation in the first episode of the podcast when Liz and Court were like when we talked about the rat like you guys knew you knew about the rat I didn't know about the rat and I feel like y'all were probably giggling at me about it um my sixth point is I just want to do a Ron temp check um he's getting hotter He's not, like, boiling yet, but Ron is growing on me. Um, he still has his Ron things, but he's he's growing on me. He's growing on me for sure. So I wanted to say that Ron, Ron's getting better. He's getting better. Um, and my last point goes off my last point in the other movie. Uh, Hermione and Ron definitely fall in love at some point. I am convinced. And... Um, one of the moments that kind of like made me really convinced of this was when, um, in the movie when, uh, is it Buckbeak? Buckbeak was going to be beheaded and, um, they're all three hugging each other and like Hermione's kind of leaning towards Ron and giving him more of a hug and then Harry's just kind of like the third wheel. And you know what? I like this because in so many movies and so many series, it's always the main character who gets the girl. And I think it's fun and different that Hermione and Ron could fall in love. That Ron gets the girl. The side character gets the girl. I like that. I think that's cool. Um, so overall, my writing for this one is similar to the last one. It is a four out of five. It was a good movie. It kept me engaged. I could probably watch it five more times and get more out of it um and just overall the harry potter world is growing on me um you guys know i'm a harry potter virgin never watched these movies before but even so i kind of came into this not really interested in harry potter i came in with the like attitude of i'm not gonna like it and so we're at the third movie now starting to grow on me the characters I'm starting to get attached a little bit so I'm excited to see where we go from here so that's my rating and I can't wait to get back to y'all next week with the next one bye nope okay so now it's time for our write-ins and okay. we got some really good ones um so I'm going to start with not the most positive, but it's okay. from Popcorny Movies. She was on our last episode. Oh, yeah. She alluded um, to this. Kirby. Uh, she said, style over substance is an Azkaban level offense when adapting a beloved book. Yeah, it does have good style. <laughs> uh. 
the next one I have is from Red View Films. And they said, it's essentially a werewolf movie, but the werewolf is Remus Lupin. So it's the best werewolf movie ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Aww. Um, next is from the movie buff Dublin. And they said, my favorite Potter movie. The shift to a, tar- a darker tone and vibe is my favorite thing about it. Couldn't Love agree that. more. And then our boy Dan Loves Film. He said, best one of the series. Agree, sir. Agree with you, Dan. <laughs> Beloved. <laughs> Beloved. And then, like always, we got to check in with the world. Yeah. So the world also loved this movie. Letterbox average is a 4.1 out of 5. The Tomato Meter critics gave it a 90%. That's an audience high. score. Yeah, and the audience score is 86, which is equally as high. IMDb gave it a 7.9 and 88% of Google users liked the movie. I mean, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I think like outside of even the franchise, like it's a good movie. Like just generally well liked. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we got to check back in on the B Critics Hogwarts House Tournament, what the current standings are. <laughs> So in the last place, I don't think they've really moved the needle this episode that much. Actually, they have. Is Ravenclaw. I give, okay, I'll just preface this. I give anyone who's not represented by like someone speaking just automatically gets 25 points unless they lose points. So they can lose points and gain points, but they just automatically get 25. We never even mentioned Ravenclaw, so they just got their 25 points. Okay, so they have 75 points. (laughs) Yeah. Slytherin is coming in at number three with 90 points. Mm -hmm. In third, I mean, second place is Gryffindor with 130 points. Pretty respectable, if I do say so myself. (laughs) And then somehow in first place, yet again, with 150 (laughs) points is Hufflepuff. But Gryffindor is closing the gap. Okay. Okay, yeah, closing the gap. Okay. <laughs> As a reminder, you can earn points for your house by commenting on this episode on YouTube and telling us what house you're in. Each comment will give five points to the commenter's house. If you try to cheat and comment more than one time, we will deduct points. The winning house will receive bragging rights for the whole year. And we might make a special little cup. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We're, we're still deciding on that. <laughs> Thinking about it. All right. So it is time for us to say goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban episode. Be sure to leave us a rating or review. Drop us a comment on our YouTube and leave us an answer to our poll and Q&A section on Spotify. You can find more information about the podcast and our whole podography on our website, bcritics.com. Or you can find links to all of the things on our link tree in the episode show notes. Next week, we are discussing yet another Harry Potter movie, but this one is The Goblet of Fire. I think it's well-loved. And we are having a super exciting return guest. His -hmm. name is Lewis, and he does the movie of the day Instagram page. Y'all went crazy for our last episode with Lewis, so we hope you love this one just as much. Yeah, we. I love recording with Lewis, so very excited for y'all to hear this one. Be sure to subscribe and follow 
so you don't miss it. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. All right, that is it for today. We will see y'all on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.